from Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome to this 61st episode of The Dairy Show. I am your host, Lisa Benke. Today, we're going to try to keep up with one of the fastest talkers in the business. All right, it's auction time. Money, money, poor. With 30,000. Putting the 30,000. This is my first episode hosting The Dairy Show, and I am excited to visit today with Tom Morris, a noted auctioneer and World Dairy Expo's 2023 Industry Person of the Year. Tom, welcome. And I guess we'd like to lead off with what your thoughts are about having been awarded this special recognition. First of all, Lisa, it's a pleasure to be here and particularly on your inaugural show. That's pretty exciting. My thoughts, uh, a little shocking maybe. First of all, I think or well, I know there's a lot of people that could have or should have been recognized prior to my days. And it's an honor and truly an honor when it comes to World Dairy Expo. But you know, the thing that I did when I got home was I pulled up those lists of some 53 former recognized people, and it was pretty humbling to be added to that list. Humbling would be the word. Well, Tom, this is essentially a, a Lifetime Achievement Award, and it's one that sums up all that you've done within and for the dairy industry. So we know you grew up on a dairy farm, but could you tell us more about how your feet got set down this path, this this extensive career you've had in the dairy industry? Maybe through osmosis from my dad and uncle farmed together. They had an awful good farmer breeder herd of cows that was pretty well recognized and did a considerable amount of showing and sold a few bulls to AI. And these two brothers really, really enjoyed their career. But one of the big things in it is they're located just about four miles from Paps Farms, which was anybody that's been a student of the breed know that they were a remarkable force in the 40s and 50s and early 60s. Uh, somehow, uh, Fred Paps, who started Paps Brewery and had the farm out there, kind of adopted my dad and uncle, and they became very, very favorite neighbors. They worked together quite a bit up there. I can remember putting the boxcars together, putting their stalls in. Of course, I was playing outside at that time and meeting Elis Knudsen and Silver Weiler and some of those guys that went on to be, I guess, great mentors in my life. And having a little success in the show ring at the Royal Winter Fair and Waterloo in Chicago, it, that was all due to Paps, because there's no way that we would hook up the pickup and drive to Toronto with a winning two-year-old way back in the early 50s. So our family, I guess, and we all owe you know, a lot to Paps for all they've done for us. And of course, we use their bulls and sons of their bulls. And so... That's kind of that all got started. And then I was coached on my 4 judging team by Harvey Swartz, which was at that time, probably the most recognized auctioneer in our business across the country, traveled worldwide. There was only one Harvey. And he had kind of told me early on sometime when I was probably in junior high that this would be the career I should follow. And, you know, I always kind of remembered that. And the other thing he told me was, uh, if you're going to be successful, 
be sure and surround yourself with gifted and talented people. And that's what we've pretty well done throughout the last half a century. It's not about me. It's about the people that surrounded us. Well, Tom, Harvey Schwartz's words were probably ringing in your ears. You graduated from high school and you came to that first big, I would say, why in your path. And you, you made a decision. Where did you go upon graduation? Well, I kind of went up to River Falls for a year to go to school. Maybe that's because I had two brothers already in Madison. I wanted to get further away from home. I don't know. But after a year, a lot of my friends were down in Madison. So I made the journey back down there. One of the better decisions I've ever made because the time at the UW is uh, certainly a learning experience in and out of the classroom. A guy that lured me back was Dave Dixon. We've had a relationship or had a relationship with Coach for so many years. My oldest brother brought him home from the university for his first Thanksgiving when he just moved out here to grad school. I wasn't even in high school yet, but somehow our, my mother adopted him, thought he was the best of the four sons now. And, you know, I lived with him my senior year, traveled with him. When I traveled out west to Washington three or four times a year, I'd always stop at his folks' farm. He always best man at my wedding. He sat at my uh, dad's funeral, and the last wedding he sang at was my daughter Mariah, Tony's wedding. So knowing Coach, he did so much for so many people that I think we all have a soft spot in our heart for him. But knowing him as well as I did, he passed along a lot of stuff. And uh, if you needed straightening out, David would straighten you out right there. So that kind of helped guide me through Madison for a few years. And you didn't take just dairy science courses while you were attending school there. Tell us a little bit about your coursework. Well, when I went to class, I took dairy science, and but I did take a, quite a bit of credits in what was known as ag journalism back then. Larry Mueller was really an impact on my life. He was a young man then. We took a lot of broadcasting courses. We took uh, a lot of design courses, which have served me very well throughout, you know, writing ads and layouts and, and the broadcasting work. So I have a lot of good memories from both the dairy science with that golden bunch of professors you and I both went through down there with. That's kind of how it all went along. Well, I think, Tom, you graduated from UW-Madison. You had that degree in your back pocket. We came to that next why in your career path. And your next election was? Well, I worked with Al Piper for a few months, and then this job came up at the Voltec School way up here in New Richmond, which sounded very, very interesting to quickly put together a nine-month dairy herd management program where the kids would come in the class and they'd work on their home farms, and if they're from outside the two or three county area, they would live with a local dairyman. It was one of those really good ideas, but there was a lot of fear of failure between three or four of us young guys that were supposed to put that together. You bring up the fear of failure. One thing that I think is remarkable about your career is you've had multiple successes and multiple enterprises that you have started from the ground up. And maybe we can talk a little bit too at this point. You started this nine-month program from scratch. You identified a need, and I think even you were surprised at the success of that nine-month program, weren't you? 
you talk about fear of failure now. All of us were sitting there looking at each other. Uh, the original thought was we're going to get some from a two-county area. And within three or four years, it was so unique that we had kids from across the United States and Canada that were going there. And we had more outside students from outside states than we did from the state of Wisconsin. And that was, I guess it gave me some confidence to take some risk once in a while. Well, I think at this point in your life, you took another big risk. I believe you at this point invited your life partner to join you in your business propositions. Am I correct? Yeah, I guess uh, there was a beautiful young farm girl that took a chance, a big chance a half a century ago. And, and certainly she's been a partner in every way and done more work in the industry than I have for sure, day to day and hour to hour. Well, Tom, Tom Morris Limited is, it's Tom and Sandy Morris. We know that you've made a, just a, a tremendous team throughout your sales career and all the other enterprises that you've begun. Tell us about how you and Sandy have complemented one another in, in business as well as in, in a successful 50 plus year marriage. You know, we had a similar backgrounds, no matter how you look at it, the cow business, the upbringing, the family farm, and that started off on a good deal. And somehow she went along with a lot of my dreams and filled in, you know, maybe we'll talk about it later, but we were in the publishing business. And for 32 years, she's read every word in the Cattle Connection while I was doing something else. As a proofreader, she read every word and every number in there. And kept all of the books and all of the billing. And yes, Sandy has been a right-hand person throughout all of this. Tom, what I'd like to talk about next, and you, you alluded to it, you have always had more than one ball in the air. So we talked a little bit about your teaching now at the Wisconsin Indian Head Technical College. What else is going on in your life at this point? Well, I'm still working sales for the pipe organization every weekend. And the first couple of years I was there, I did a lot of judging, which really turned out to be an asset for recruitment. Judged a lot of shows, uh, district shows and county fairs, of course, and some state shows and state fairs across the country. And every time I came home, I seemed to bring a student with me for the next year. So it worked out as a pretty good recruitment tool because you're one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, we saw you and I went to the University of Wisconsin. Those people judged our shows, our county fairs. So we got invited to go to Madison. It's kind of a time-tested deal. But then Sandy and I both together got the itch that maybe we should buy a farm and put in a herd of cows, and that's how Deronda Farm started. A small select herd of cattle. We had a lot of dreams come through with it. That's because we had great herdsmen and, at that time, foreign trainee students with us. So I owe most of what was done at Deronda over the years with, with the success of those herds that we put together to outside people again. Well, and Tom, as much as you're an entrepreneur, you are the quintessential marketer. Great successes with those Deronda herds. You dispersed not once, but several times. Tell us about that. Well, we did export quite a bit of cattle, but I guess you're right. I'd be the first one to say that I'd be more of a merchandiser than I would be a breeder. We had three complete herd sales in the 80s, and all three of them ranked as the highest average in the herd for their year in the country. And the reason we had them is we always thought everything was full here. We're stretched out. You know, the sale company 
was being started. We were running some local sales. We we're still working with the other organization. We we're teaching school. So we'd have a sale. And then a couple of months later, we'd say, eh, this ain't very much fun with an empty barn. So we giddy up and go again. We talk about, you know, stress and you talk about how you build something. Well, our final sale at around the final herd sale, we had hosted a couple others. You know, I started getting the feeling this gig was coming to an end. The way the business was growing to larger herds, different breeding programs. I'm thinking to myself, I don't really want to expand this. So let's make some choices here. And that's how Deronda became home, as they call it, summer camp, when we bring in the heifers back home in the lots. But, you know, I never outgrew my need to own good cattle. We've owned a lot, a lot of cattle since we closed the barn here. Some of them went on to be pretty high recognized, and some of them didn't do so well either. So, but that's worth taking, you know, livestock, dead stock, and you need to kind of keep that in mind. With these three successful sales under your belt, you branched out and began selling. And when I say began selling, you and your career have sold over a thousand different auctions. Is that correct? Sales and and you've managed over half of them. So touch on that a little bit. You did you go to auctioneer school? Not really, really to school. I learned from Harvey and never really had time to go to auctioneer school. So I owe it kind of to Harvey Sports, you know, and talking about mentors, we've all had a lot. I've had old people, I've had young people. I try to learn from everybody. But Harvey would be there along with Merle Howard, along with Horace Pockets, people that taught me more than you could ever learn about life. You know, we travel with Al and Al Piper and Merle. I call it internship or something. I spent many years there. And then the time had come that things moved on and Jim Hoskins and I started our own sale company, worked together for several years. Probably the highlight of that was being chosen in the home state in 86 to run the national convention sale and in Milwaukee. And it was really really a thrill. It was kind of a kickoff to the next step in the industry. Now, I do remember a young Allison Dairyland that helped us open the sale many, many years ago in Milwaukee. Do you remember that day? I do remember being party to that particular sale in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Tom, that's one thing that I'll always remember. Each and every time you ran the gavel, you brought a special degree of excitement to the ring and, and everybody that was party to that, whether you were selling or there is a buyer, you just have a, a special way of conducting that business for people. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit too. Not all sales are the same. And I think one thing that strikes me too is how you've served as a mentor to many, and I'm going to put myself in that hopper. You were the sale manager and assisted a number of collegiate sales to get off the ground. Can you talk about what that's been like and, and you know, which, which university groups you've worked with to get a successful sale launched? Well, I think it's more than a sale. It's working with kids and I've always liked youth and the college sales were a lot of fun to do. Uh, the first one we did was up here at the University of River Falls. A few years later, we branched into Madison. We started the good sale down at the 
University of Wisconsin Platteville. We've assisted with several college sales, I mean, from phone calls and how we do it. I had, I think, three out west at Oregon State University that were very exceptional. And we always tried to make it an education for the students. And they do their own ads and they do their own layout and do their own selections and do their own fitting. And we just kind of came in part-time there at the end, but it was kind of almost like coursework as we moved through them. And they're a group of sales that I really, really miss now. You know, and we've done all types of sales from colleges to having the pleasure of selling many of the highest profile sales for people from coast to coast in their era, you know, from the Hanover Hill in Vermont's Lyle Haven all the way out to the Pacific Northwest. And those those were good, good times. But then there was the herd sales where you're selling out a lifetime of work for people retiring and they become a little more difficult. You really, really get close to the people. And of course, there's been a few that have been sad sales that you get in the box and wish them people weren't here and you weren't here because it's after an untimely death or accident. And those are very, very tough sales to handle. The one thing I was taught years ago, though, no matter how many sales you sell a week or a month or, and they got back to back in the spring, it's so very important to be at the top of your game every day, no matter what level of cattle or where you're selling, because it's important to those people that put their faith in you. And to me, that was maybe the most difficult thing when you're tired or, you know, but it was, we, we had a great run, a great run, nine national convention sales. And, uh, but it's about the people that surrounded us again. It's not about me. You're so notable in this business, having sold so many sales as you have in so many states and even across the border. And I know that you got a special invitation to help sell the cow parade cows for a charitable cause. Maybe you want to talk about when you became an art auctioneer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you became a, a, a ring lady. Uh, we went to the Chicago Theater down in Chicago and worked for uh, Sotheby's Auctions. And they're kind of world famous. They're a little different presentation than maybe we're used to. But it was my first uh, trip into Chicago. And they invited me back several times to work on those sales. It was really, really fun to show them kind of a different way of auctioneering. I don't know what they call theirs, but theirs is different. Well, I think you spun a lot of heads that night because, as you can imagine, if people have ever watched an art auction on TV, it's a very genteel affair where the the bid is very clear. We can say, yes, yes, I see that gentleman's paddle there. We're at 100000 Can I have 105000 And when you started crying that auction, I think people rocked back in their seats and they were all wondering, what the heck is my bid at? And then they heard the, the ringman. Uh, doing their yes. <laughs> it, again, we saw people jump, and but they got caught up in the excitement. And I think that you taught the art community what an auction can be. Yeah, and I think we both learned from each other a little that night. Afterwards, we uh, visited with them, and we, we both picked up some things probably. But, you know, we've done a, quite a few of those charity auctions for the children's hospitals and whatever, and, and, and they are fun. The one thing you have to kind of keep in mind is they've never been to an auction like that. So you, you need to slow down a little, but they're there for entertainment. You know, hopefully we can 
I have them leave some money on the table. Well, and when we talk about entertainment, I think we have to talk too about the many, many years that you managed the world classic sale at World Dairy Expo. And there was an element of entertainment and a fraternity there. It's where everybody was on back in the day, Friday night in the Coliseum. Tom, the World Classic, how did that come about? And tell us about any any risks you felt you were taking with that sale and any risks you took with it. Well, the World Classic, I believe, started in 1989. Jim Hoskins and I had run a sale called the Genetic Connection on Thursday night down there, where we sold embryos and contract flushes, which came back now as IVF flushes in these big sales. It's the same deal where you're guaranteed so many embryos transferable and et cetera. And so that moved in and in 1989, the executive committee called me to Madison, asked me if I'd be interested. And I remember sitting there with Gene Nelson and Howard Bagley was in the room and Jim Crawley. And we had a nice discussion and that's what kind of brought on the World Classic. I wanted to change the image of it a little, uh, maybe make a little entertainment at the opening. And, you know, we're sitting in the Coliseum of lights and, and sound systems. And so for several years with such a huge crowd there, and it was, it was a lot of fun, the opening of the sales. And as times change in that, I think you're probably aware we're going to move into the Tanbark restaurant and place that's so popular because we don't need the size anymore. Times change in the auction business. So we're looking forward to that. I can only imagine too, Tom, how many, many successful breeders you have built a relationship with through the years as you're selecting cattle for this sale and then seeing it to fruition. You, you, I mean, you're connecting with both the buyers and the sellers. And ooh, that's a nice segue into maybe what we should talk about next. You and Sandy had, had come to that point in the road, obviously, years ago, where you decided you were going to step back from teaching and you'd sold the herd at Duranda. Now you're full-time in the sale business and you're really successful at it. But at some point, you decided that you needed to start a new business, connecting buyers and sellers. It goes back to my journalism deal, and I don't want to bore you with a story, but one night coming home from a large sale I had done in eastern Wisconsin, about this time of the year, I was driving on a terrible night, stopped in or convenience store or whatever, bought a cup of coffee, filled up with gas, and, and threw a shopper, and I think it had to do with buying and selling snowmobiles, and it was a black and white newspaper-looking deal. And I studied that for a little while. And on the way home, I said to myself, why? Why not? Why can't we have a no-nonsense, fast turnaround prior to the internet publication that would sell or serve buyers and connect them from coast to coast and sellers? And uh, it took six months of developing. And it was uh, that fall, we launched our first edition at World Dairy Expo. Uh, it was a marvelous ride from there on in for 32 years. But you got to come back to who did it? Not me. It was surrounding yourself with gifted and talented people. That publication has done precisely what you designed it to do. It certainly has for over 30 years connected buyers and sellers. And what a complimentary enterprise it was to the sale business. It, it definitely worked hard for everybody that, that you worked with and for. And we talked about this being a Lifetime Achievement Award, but I, I think we need to talk a little bit too about the many, many ways that your life has intersected the show. I mean, starting back in 69 or 70, you 
were the high individual and won the intercollegiate judging contest at World Dairy Expo. That's a huge honor. You had a class winner in the International Holstein Show. You were recognized as a friend of Expo years ago. You've run the World Classic for over 33 years there and have served in leadership roles on the Dairy Cattle Committee, as well as on the Executive Committee. And my goodness, last year we're recognized at World Dairy Expo as one of the Dairy Shrine Award winners. So Tom, your life has been synonymous with World Dairy Expo. Maybe can you talk a little bit about the most pivotal things you've seen as you've been involved with the show? There's too many things to really talk about, but it all started way back when those guys came back from Waterloo with an idea of having a cow show. My folks put heifers in both of the donation sales and we were off and running. And the first thing I'd have to say is I had the privilege to work very closely with and work for and show cattle for those pioneers that started this show. Whether it's Norm Magnuson or Gene Nelson or Alan Hetz or Howard Bagley and of course Doc Jim Crawley was involved. Them are all mentors of mine. And when you look back at what they did, and when they started that show and then the hard times came, these people backed up and took the other Y in the road and made it into from the World Dairy and Food Show with a major entertainment. And they were dedicated and flexible. That's pretty well carried on right now. You have to be, you have to change when the time changes. And I was in school when it started. We were out there, you know, the classes became very, very secondary for 10 days in the end of September. And uh, so many good memories. And, you know, those of you that think that Sheridan is old, well, we unloaded boxcars there for Doug Maddox and the California bunch and led cattle across the road into the grounds there. So I've pretty well seen it come all the way up and grow from you know, the old barns to the great new pavilions, some of the other things started ethics worldwide. And I mean, real ethics with, with ultrasounds and blood and milk samples. And then we got into just a few years ago and did the uh, research on overbagging or putting too much milk in cows. And that was very, very extensive, proven that it's not a huge problem, but as I've told you so many times, that I think the real deal is to have the information, the research in the desk the next time Peter or somebody comes to World Dairy Expo. It's a, how do you call that, a CY, whatever, you're covering it. So all the way along, Expo with a, with a great staff, no question. And then you take thousands of volunteers that I've seen over the years, but it's changed and it flows and it has to flow. And who would ever thought years ago, we'd move the World Classic out of the Coliseum into a smaller venue down the road here, down the block. So it's, it's incredible. It's been a big part of my life to see that happen, to be on the committees and on the board, and the executive board and an officer, uh, the only thing I got to tell those hundreds of people, I suppose thousands over the years, is thanks for putting up with me. 
Tom, thank you for joining us today on The Dairy Show. We are excited to honor not only you, but also the Dairy Producer of the Year, Randy Cordes, and the International Person of the Year, Bonnie Cooper, at the Dinner with the Stars, which will be held on October 4th, 2023, at the Tanbark Restaurant at World Dairy Expo. Tickets will be available online at worlddairyexpo.com starting in July. Tom, as we close this 61st episode of The Dairy Show, let's hear one more time from the voice of experience. 22 to be, nobody get 23, now 24, nobody can buy, nobody can buy, but I have book at 2,500. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 